Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're welcoming Judith Gordon. Judith is on the faculty at UCLA Law School, and she writes and presents regularly on success, mindset, and the high-achieving professional. She's the founder of Leader Esquire, a consultancy focused on the legal profession and the Center for Thriving in Law, a digital learning platform for lawyers, law students, and legal professionals. Judith is a high-performance coach and facilitator devoted to workplace productivity, stress management, resilience, and well-being. She provides lawyers, law students, and legal professionals with tools and strategies that lower stress, optimize performance, and build confidence and resilience so that they can thrive in the practice of law. And Her Legal Global is all about thriving in the practice of law. So welcome, Judith. It's wonderful to have you. Thank you, Faye. I'm delighted to be here. So let's just get into our topic. What is this delivering excellence in high-intensity environments? Because in the past, I think I've very much confused perfectionism with doing exactly this. So can you explain to me, what is this? Yeah, I'm really glad that you raised the issue of perfectionism because perfectionism, which is uh, rampant in the legal profession, actually lowers confidence and impedes progress. So the sooner that lawyers can grasp that striving for perfectionism actually interferes with their high performance, the better they will perform. Our work, to put it simply, is only as good as we feel, right? So there's an interconnectedness between our biology and our behavior. And one of the foundations of my work is that when we understand the fundamentals of how humans are actually designed to work, designed to perform, we improve our performance, we sustain our energy, and we're able to work longer, smarter, better, without draining ourselves, without, without feeling exhausted at the end of the day or the end of the week. So you've just covered off very nicely why that is important. So let's just move <laughs> on to what often gets in the way. What gets in the way of that is that the first thing that goes when we start to feel pressure is are the very things that keep us energized and focused. So when people have a lot of work to do, the first thing they throw out the window are the things that make them feel good or the exercise regimen or taking a break or drinking water. These very basic and simple acts things that we can do that actually sustain our energy and our performance and our cognitive function are the very things that we get rid of first. We skip meals. I had a, an attorney say to me just the other day, she had two closings last week and she shared that her, one of her goals was to eat two meals a day, but she only managed to eat one. Now we had a conversation about that because Skipping those meals meant that she actually impeded her cognition. She actually handicapped herself instead of supporting herself by taking a few minutes to get some nutrition and the kind of nutrition that supports cognitive function. So, so that is something that I work with lawyers on. If, you're, if you don't have time to eat, what can you eat quickly that is not going to interfere with cognition because there are foods that interfere with cognition. What are the foods we can eat that are quick, easy, and actually boost cognitive function, boost high performance. 
So can you just tell me a little bit about the foods that can impede cognition? Because I think that's an important point. Sugar. The reality is that what sugar does is that it, it binds the receptors that we normally have available for nutrition. And the other pieces that sugar releases cortisol, which is a stress hormone. So not only does sugar impede the availability of nutrients for high cognitive function, but it increases stress for as much as five hours. So if you're chugging sodas, eating cookies, Kit Kats and coffee to get through the day, and I'm a, a big fan of coffee, so don't take that as a negative. But if we're eating candy bars, cookies, and other sweets with with refined processed sugar, not the same as natural sugars, which do give us energy, right? So sugars that are combined with fibers, the sugars that we find in fruit, those will actually give us energy. If I were to eat an apple with some almond butter, then that would actually get me through the afternoon much better than a candy bar and a soda. I think that's a really important point because when we go to eat, we often think that the, the sugar in those types of foods is giving us that energy and is actually helping us. And what you're pointing out is it's doing the exact opposite. One of the things that we talked about before we had the podcast was about how you process in your brain. And you were saying that we need to take breaks in order to be able to process. I just want to touch on that before we go into developing this skill. So can you just tell us a little bit about what it is that we're doing with the front part versus the um, back part of our brains? Yes. So I'm glad you asked that. The brain is designed to alternate between a focused and diffuse state. Now, most lawyers start the day, dive into work, and try to work for 5, 10, even 13 hours, 14 hours, nonstop. But our brains aren't designed to do that. Our brains are designed to alternate between focus and a diffuse state. So what we want to do is alternate. We want to uh, focus on the task in front of us, and we want to do one task at a time. Uh, our, our time management is actually attention management, right? So focus on that task, set, set aside, say, 30 minutes to write that motion. Focus on it for 30 minutes, take a five-minute break. That break should be a non-cognitive break. So stand up, walk around, or gaze out a window. Do something that doesn't involve cognition. Now, the, the importance of this is twofold. One is that it gives your brain the opportunity to then process the information that you were just working on. The part of our brain that deals with thinking is not the same part of our brain that deals with problem solving. Those two networks alternate. So in order for me to problem solve, I actually need to let go of thinking, right? So that's why oftentimes when we step into the shower, all of a sudden we have all these great ideas or we've figured out the solution to an issue that we were grappling with or we remember where we put something. That's because the brain goes into a, a more relaxed state, an alpha or theta state. And it's in that state that the brain processes information, integrates information, uh, has insights and recall and problem solves. So we need to alternate between these two states, focused and diffuse. You will increase your, your performance and productivity by focusing on a task, taking a short break, and focusing again. 
So now I just like to go into how we develop and practice a skill here in terms of looking at how do we perform at our best and get the most out of what we're doing? So the way we perform at our best and get the most out of what we're doing is actually to pay attention to how we're feeling. So if I'm working and I've been preparing that brief for that motion, or I've been in Zoom meetings, consulting with clients for several hours, and I notice that my brain is starting to slow down, I want to listen to that. I think I said at the top of the hour that our biology and our behavior are interconnected, right? So our body is signaling us all the time. Our brain and our body are in constant communication, and then it's giving us signals, and it's trying to get our attention and telling us, hey, this is what I need right now. I need, some, I need to hydrate. I need some water. Our brains rely on water to think, right, to make those synaptic connections that help us think. So am I dehydrated? As little as 1% dehydration can lead to a 5% drop in cognitive function. So paying attention to these little things can make major shifts in our productivity and our performance and in how well we feel. And again, how we feel, our, our performance is only as good as how we feel. So we definitely want to make sure that we're paying attention to how we feel. Am I focused? Am I alert? Am I, am I nourished? If we're not alert, it helps to breathe. Maybe we've, we've been holding our breath. I'm, I'm one of those people who holds her breath. So I notice sometimes I'm not holding my breath and I'm feeling a little tired. We want to get up and take a few deep breaths. That keeps us alert. So this is their attention training. And I understand that there's six points here. So this was the first point, attention training. What's the next point? So the attention training, if I can go back for just a moment, the attention training is actually the ability to focus on one thing at a time. One of the issues that we have with technology is that we're continually distracted, right? So uh, I might be working on my brief, but then my phone is pinging or somebody knocks on the door or I get a phone call and we're constantly being distracted. And what that does is it exhausts the brain. It, it basically drains the brain of resources because its attention is going into in too many directions at once. So what we really want to do is focus on one thing at a time. And if there's an interruption or we get distracted, to turn our entire attention to that interruption or distraction and then bring it back. And that way we're monotasking, not multitasking which drains the brain. So the so, multitasking is actually a myth that we really shouldn't be trying to train ourselves to do that. Absolutely, multitasking, the, our, the human brain cannot multitask. What the human brain actually does is switch task. It goes back and forth between two tasks. This takes a lot of energy. The brain, of course, and our bodies run on energy, oxygen, water, nutrients. This is what I meant by the connection between biology and behavior, right? We, we need to know a little bit about how we run in order to run optimally. So focusing on one thing at a time is essential for being productive and managing our time. Actually, I have a little saying, a distracted brain is an anxious brain. So notice how your stress is related to how many things you were trying to juggle or manage in the day. You'll, feel, you'll notice that on days where you had to manage too many things, or you're trying to do too many things at once, that uh, it's more exhausting. 
That's fantastic because that is exactly how my brain feels at the end of the day when I've been trying to do all these different tasks at the same time. And especially as somebody that has ADHD, I find it is very difficult to be working in this virtual world that's suddenly been created by COVID and that you're working on Zoom, which is a whole different level of interaction and stimulation from different visual cues and things that are going on in that world. So it's very, I find it very tiring to to deal with that. And I think that's one of the things that we have to be aware of as well, of, of the different things that are impacting on our brain and tiring us personally, depending on our own physiology and how we're made up. So how do we understand stress? How does that play into this? Oh, I'm, I'm so glad you asked that. There's been a longstanding belief that stress is harmful. And stress can be harmful, right? We know that stress has been connected with lifestyle diseases, uh, many ailments that are worsened when we're stressed. But the reality is, that stress is a protective physiological function. We are designed to experience stress. The problem is that in the modern world, we are triggering a stress response unnecessarily. So we are triggering a fight or flight response, a life-threatening response in a non-life-threatening situation. So maybe I get an annoying email from a client and I trigger that stress response, which is designed for when I'm being chased by a lion or in the modern day when perhaps I'm in a dangerous traffic situation, right? Then it's important and necessary for me to have a stress response, but not every time I'm opening up my emails or feeling overwhelmed by work, which is also, that's the freeze part. Feeling overwhelmed is often we go into analysis paralysis. So there's fight, flight, freeze, right? How does that tie into what we were just talking about when a distracted brain is an anxious brain? So we, we're having anxiety because we're distracted and now we're having it because we're stressed. Is that the combination of the two or what, how would you comment on well, that? Well, the anxiety because we're stressed generally comes from, well, it can be overwhelm or what if thinking. We're, we're, the, the beauty of the human brain is that we can anticipate the future and ruminate about the past. So instead of being focused on what's happening right now in front of me, we're spending a lot of time thinking about what if this happens? What if that happens? Lawyers are trained to do this. And we also ruminate about, oh, what, what just happened in that meeting? Maybe I should have said this. Did I do everything as well as I could have? We're, we're very, very involved in a lot of different thoughts at, a, at the same time. So the way this ties in is you know, a distracted brain being an anxious brain is let's manage our thoughts. Let's focus on what matters most right now. What matters most right now. But I'd like to get to the other part of your question on stress, which is stress is only harmful when we believe it's harmful. We can actually use stress to benefit us, to change that into useful energy, which is also known as eustress, right? E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, which is positive stress. So this is where our mindset is very closely connected with our physiology. When we feel a stress response, it actually also mimics excitement. Yeah, excitement, anticipation, positive anticipation. So if I'm going into a presentation and I start to feel butterflies in my stomach, my, my heart might start beating rapidly, my breath gets short, right? These are signs of a stress response. 
that they can also be signs that my body is saying, you're ready, you've got this, you can do this. It's called the physiology of courage, or um, I call it readiness thinking. So whenever I start to feel that before going into a presentation in front of a lot of people or arguing emotion in court, when I start to feel what I would normally think of as a stress response, if I shift my thinking, it actually shifts the physiology so that you have blood flow, your breathing remains stable, and you use that positive energy to keep your mind clear and your cognition online. So it's very important to understand this connection between our biology and our behavior. So the stress is really related to our mindset. That's a beautiful way of looking at stress. I've, I've read about it and I've heard that, but this really takes it to the level of being able to use the stress that we undergo every single day in a positive way for our benefit. Yes. So now what do we do with rest? Yeah, so this, this relates to what we were talking about with the brain alternating between a focused and diffuse state. So when, when we talk about brain rest, we don't really mean rest as in taking a nap. What we're referring to is allowing the brain to go into a non-cognitive state. So when the brain is alert and attentive, it's in a cognitive state, we're focused and thinking. What we want to do is give our brain an opportunity to go into this non-cognitive state because that is when we actually uh, are using another neural network. Our brain is not actually at rest. It's actually using an alternate neural network to process the information that we were thinking about. So the brain is actually alternating between these different neural networks. We just feel like we're at rest, and I've kind of put that in quotes, because we're not using the cognitive part of our brain. The brain, if you were to put that brain into an MRI, it would be lighting up like fireworks because it's still working and doing other things. So it's important for us to understand that we, we need to allow our brain to use both of these neural networks, not just our cognitive network, which is where lawyers tend to focus and spend most of their time. So if we understand that taking a break is not sloughing off, or being lazy, but taking a break is actually getting the work done. It's making us more productive. And if I may, I would share that I had a conversation with an attorney just a couple of days ago who used the last week to integrate this process into her work. And she reported to me that she got more work done, that she was less drained at the end of the day, she had more energy to work longer, and she was even getting to her backlog. So this made a huge difference to, to focus on one task at a time, take a short cognitive break, and then go to, a net, to the next task. Focus on what matters most and alternate between these focused and diffuse states. This gives you the energy that you need to work at a high level. So when we are talking about breaking that down into a schedule for ourselves, what would that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, what that looks like is choosing the top four or five tasks that you need to do today. What matters most today? What will make today a productive day? And focus on those, plot them out. I have to write this motion, I have to speak with X client, I have to prepare for this appearance or this presentation, block those out estimate how much time you need for them. And then when you're doing that task, just focus on that task. Between each task, take a short cognitive break. And I would add, 
make sure you have at least two longer non-cognitive breaks. So how, how long are those short and long ones supposed to look like? Yeah, so if you've worked for about 30 minutes, a five minute break should do it. If you've worked for 50 minutes to an hour, maybe a 10 to 15 minute break and make sure that you have at least two 30 minute breaks during the day. Okay, that sounds, that sounds like a really nice way to live your life. I know I certainly haven't been achieving that. I think one of the points that you raised at the beginning is really important to emphasize, and that is that when you choose what you're going to do, you're making a conscious decision that you are not going to get through everything in a day. And I think there's this very unrealistic pressure that we always have on ourselves that, you know, it'll all get done. And it's just not possible. And just by the nature of being in a profession, the work will never be done. There's always more work. So I think that that's very important. Do we eat during these breaks? When when does the nutrition come in? When should we schedule that? Should that be a separate break or should that be as part of those two 30-minute breaks? Yeah, I think that uh, depends on each person's understanding of of their biorhythm, of how, how that works. So I'm not hungry in the morning. But if I know that I have a, if I have meetings or I have to be really sharp, I will have a smoothie. And so that I know that I'm getting good nutrients. My body's not ready to digest or process food, but you know, I can have a smoothie. That'll be something that gives me the nutrients that I need, the cognitive function that I need, help me get through whatever those tasks are in the morning. I highly recommend sipping water throughout the day. Our brains rely on water to function. The water literally conducts electrical energy that we need to think, right? Thoughts are electrochemical synapses. So our brains can't store water. So oftentimes when we get a headache, that's the result of dehydration. It takes very little for us to get to a state of dehydration. That moodiness that we get, that irritability, 2% dehydration. So keeping a, a glass of water, a bottle of water, or I like to use one with a straw because it's easier to drink uh, nearby is very, very helpful and helps keep you alert uh, and steady through the day. One of the things that we're going to be looking at in the community is fun. How does laughter and that type of thing relay into this? I love to say that there are no physiological accidents. Laughter actually boosts our biochemistry in a number of very important ways. First of all, when we laugh, we are hyperoxygenating. We are getting we are getting oxygen into our bloodstream and it is oxygenating all of our organs and most especially our brain. That helps keep us alert and more productive. The other thing about laughter is that it releases endorphins and it encourages us to connect socially. So it encourages social connection. That's what we humans need. We are social animals. We're meaning makers. So laughter bonds us. It, it pulls us together. Laughter is also one of the best stress relievers on the planet. I can't think of a better stress reliever than laughter. I encourage my clients to laugh for at least five minutes every day or look at something amusing, something that will boost their experience. It, I'm sure we've, you can recall a time when you were in an argument with somebody, or you were in a deposition where there was a very hostile atmosphere and somebody cracks a joke, and all the hostility, all the tension leaves the room. So laughter is very, very powerful in terms of stress relief, in terms of productivity, getting us oxygenated, and it also, it boosts our immunity. It's a big immunity booster. 
So especially in a time like COVID-19, where we want to be very sure that we're taking good care of ourselves, laughter is very helpful for keeping our immunity in good shape. So we've just gone over how we can perform our best, and we've done attention training, understanding stress, our mindset, a brain rest intervals, nutrition, and we've just dealt with laughter. So we've had six very specific things that we can set up and build into the structure of our day. What are the expected results if we do all of this? What I've heard from the attorneys that I work with, they have literally called this a game changer. So instead of feeling drained at the end of the day, you have more energy at the end of the day. You find that you've gotten more done. You are more aware and attentive to what you were actually doing, right? So when we pay attention to what matters most today, to how we're feeling, and then following through on how we, on taking care of how we feel in that moment, right? We're only as productive or high performing as how we feel. So if I'm not feeling good, if I'm not in the mood to do something, how can I shift into the mood to make this document or this project as good as it can be. So noticing and paying attention in a moment-to-moment, hour-to-hour experience makes a big difference in our day-to-day functioning. And I loved your point, Faye, about always having more work. That is one of the things I learned as an early lawyer. You're never going to get it all done. There's always going to be more to do. Thank goodness, right? We want to have more to do. We don't need to make it all happen today. Really pay attention to what needs to happen today and what will make me feel best. What will make this a productive day? So we and- are actually letting go of that perception and that, that very strict and rigid mindset that if we don't just push through, we're not going to get the work done. This is in fact teaching us that if we take those breaks, we'll get more work done, we'll do it better, we'll have better concentration and our bodies will feel better at the end of the day instead of being exhausted and worn out and very close to burnout, we will then have the energy to continue and we will have much greater productivity. So implementing this is not a small thing. It's really something that we really need to consider. I just want to thank you very much, Judith, for coming on Her Legal Global. Her Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.